Hello, welcome to Jenny and Paul Sell Out, the podcast, episode number 11. That's right, we're not going to stop. Hey, I'm Paul Riesmanel, one half of your sellout podcast team. Jenny Benevento will be joining in just a moment, along with our guest for this episode, our first two-time guest, our repeat guest, my brother, Dr. Kyle Riesmandel, PhD. And uh, the topic of the day is Rush. Not the movie. Not the, apparently, maybe there's a Rush drug out there. No, we're talking about three Canadians uh, from Canada. Power Trio band Rush. That is the topic. And uh, boy, did we have fun getting there. But before we get into the Rush talk, we will uh, find out how, being on our podcast, uh, podcast number three, uh, got Kyle a date. Um, we'll learn a bit more about Yo MTV Raps cards, and uh, also you'll learn a little bit more about our sticker contest coming up in just a moment. So, look, it's another great episode. Keep those headphones strapped on, and keep listening. Welcome. Uh, hi, Jenny. Hi, Paul. And uh, hi, Kyle. You're back. Hello. First two-time guest. Yes, the first two-time guest here uh, for podcast number 11. Holy it seems, cow. It seems like there might be some nepotism. <laughs> Just a little bit. This is a bamboo anniversary, Look, so. Uh, it is Chicago, so. If you can find a, a reason to, to invite your sister. Yeah, uh, I don't think I could. <laughs> <laughs> Just no saying. offense to her. I just don't think, um, unless we're discussing the Chicago accent, I think. Oh. Yeah, maybe. I would love to hear that. But I'm not sure she frankly. would have much to it's say true. about it. It's true, but she would be an excellent uh, example. You just have her read things. Might even have a bit of denial about it. Yeah, it's true. I'm sure I totally, she totally does. All of my family members have denial about it. <laughs> so, um, but uh, Kyle is here uh, actually uh, in the uh, podcastatorium. Uh, not virtually in by Skype. And we, we, we've heard in the um, – Kyle is my brother, Kyle Reesmandel, uh Dr. Kyle Reesmandel, PhD. Yes, please. Um, and uh, we heard uh, feedback from the last time he was on that no one can tell us apart. Yeah, so I maybe I will make a noise or if we have a buzzer. <laughs> yeah. Every time I talk. <laughs> You know, I can get you the Blue Man Group keyboard. Oh, and, and, that actually, I would love and it. You can do that. Okay. No one would love it but me, but it, <laughs> or, this or podcast is for me. In like very extremely level groups where you have to say your name. Right. You, like, <laughs> Jenny, my feelings are blah, blah, blah. It has to talk directly to you, right. like looking in the eyes. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Weird, creepy stare. Just so people know, I do have a Blue Man Group keyboard. It is uh, plastic and it's made, it looks like it has tubes, so they're useless. They do nothing. But it's like the tubes that they play, the Blue Man Group guys. Do you know where you got it? I got it from Kyle. That's where right. Did you get it? I do not remember. Amazon.com. Probably I Amazon. I think it was like a clearance item. It was a great Christmas clearance. Like they put a lot of fun adult kind of toys on, and not things you put inside <laughs> you, but although. The tubes. That looks like you could. Yeah. Um, it would make funny noises. Uh, so this was just marketed by the Blue Man Group for who? I think they would. It's the kind of thing for kids actually, who oh. could like get into like the rhythm because it's really relatively easy to use, mm-hmm. and you put like your hands over the holes and you know, kind of like a theremin effect. Uh-huh. I mean, I've never seen the Blue Man Group, but I assume they do a lot of this. I'm moving my hands back. They don't like much theremin. No, is the the PVC pipe they like play with these like flip flops. 
Oh, so like it's it's and percussive. Is there paint involved? Um, no, I mean they're painted, but they yeah, don't right. generally. Oh, they thought, are blue. I thought when they hit, oh, they have drums with like like yeah. paint on it, kind of like yeah, kind of. No like, one knows what the blue man. Group like is. A mo- I, I used to live across the street from the blue man group at my old apartment. Yeah, and it would be tour buses of teenagers and old people they, all the time. Do they like, live in an apartment like the monkeys? What are we talking about? <laughs> Hey, you just go next door and they're just like hanging upside down. They all yeah. sleep like bats. It was so awkward. I slept with one of the members of the Blue Man Group. And it was totally awkward. No, um, no. They, they, he came like paint just fell from the yeah, ceiling. Exactly. Everyone knew, and it was so weird. Um, now, this is rated X. I blew myself. <laughs> I want to put that on a warning for children on this yeah, one. Yeah, it's true. It's right next. No, um, it's a cr- their theater was like across the street. Oh, my... the Briar Street Theater. Yeah, their Briar Street Theater. Is that where they made their name? I don't know. No, they made it in Boston, I believe, is where they're from. I have no idea. I thought they were actually from Denver. I don't know why I thought I that. I thought they were from here, but I don't, oh, well, there I don't you go. know. So they're no, timeless. They're a mystery. <laughs> Even from watching Arrested Development, I don't know. Like, it's really <laughs> Well, I think Gargamel knows. <laughs> from Gargamel knows where they're from. Because he knows about blue people. Oh, right. Sorry. I did not make the seven leaves to get to that. I apologize. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. So um, anyway, yeah. We, we, but the uh, currently the Blue Man Group keyboard's up on a top shelf, so we would require rearrangement of everything. And we, we worked real hard to get to this point right now. It's more right. expensive than well, well instruments. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. It's top shelf. <laughs> I top was good. I, I'll give it up for that. Um, and uh, I guess we, we don't – I think we – so we're we're actually still we have one in the can ready to come out. So we have really no listener comment to catch up on. I don't no. think. I think. But I am a listener and I can comment. Okay, okay. What's, what are your comments, um, guys? First time, long time. Love the show. <laughs> uh, no, it's been. I've actually really enjoyed it, which is why I wanted to come back on. I really enjoyed being on it, and I got interesting feedback as well. Um, you got a date. I got a date off it. Really? So, yeah, I posted it to my I profile. haven't even gotten a date off of this. And, it's and someone said they wanted podcast. to date you in the feedback. They were like, that's true. So you should find that person. It's true. I, I did. They are married. So oh. it's un- that's well, uncomfortable. That's interesting. <laughs> I want to hear more about that. That's right? on the <laughs> iTunes feedback. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's on the polyamory boards for some reason. Um, yeah, it was weird. I had post- I put that on there like, maybe you'll be interested in me if you like this. And I didn't expect anyone to listen to it, and then that's how I did. feel about it. Right, you just do it. Right, whatever. And no, it was good because she really liked Lifetime movies, so she was like, "That was a good." Obviously, it's... I enjoyed them, as I've documented out here. So I mean, uh, I don't, I don't want to get too personal, no, no, but uh, did it, did it continue? Are you still dating this person? Uh, yeah, I've been on a few dates, Woo-hoo! and we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I don't it's know. If she may ma- listen to this. It's now, so a match- we'll see. it's now a matchmaking podcast. <laughs> I wish. Let's see. So, ladies, <laughs> this is Kyle, not Paul. Okay. Come find me. <laughs> you gotta can be you very do an careful. For me, I don't. Um, let's see. What can we do? <laughs> you have to be not married. Sure, yeah, let's keep. Yeah, I need to know what else you're looking for. Um, <laughs> I would say just get if you're on a dating site, you know, put it on your profile. That I have this. That I have this podcast. Yeah, well, I think mm-hmm. it's because it, it's representative. Is that what I would it say? Is. Like, it's true. Yeah. Look, we were we were in Quimby's yesterday, uh, checking out, and uh, there was a conversation a about a about a book. Yeah, Quimby is a, it's an underground independent bookstore, very long standing here in Chicago. And uh, we're checking out, and Kyle's buying this book of album covers, celebrity albums. It's great, by the way. Like you know, like the like the eight, like the seventies, late late seventies, early eighties, Bill Shatner new wave record it looks exactly like an elvis costello cover by the way anyway, only it's bill Sorry, shatner cover um and of course uh the, the, the lovely uh gal checking us out uh you know she's like oh we totally talked about this on my podcast yeah uh blight of day i believe i have not oh, listened to it wow, i cannot yes, recommend blight it. of day yeah so we'll have to check it out um, so 
Let us know in the I'm feedback you how remember. you feel about Light of Day. <laughs> And so I also have a note for you, Jenny. I, I, yes. I totally believe now, and I, I, something's been on my list, but I got to complete. We need we need cards, like yeah, new cards, and, I, and I, I think they will feature. There'll be a set with a different one of our graphics. Uh-huh. So they're like Pokemon, right? You like got, a you got to collect them all. Situation. Yeah, Moo card, and then we should get stickers because every every like like restroom in a crappy club in Chicago mm. should have should, I, right I over the that. urinal. Um, I feel that means that we're having a contest for designing this. Oh yeah, right for sure. now. <laughs> so what, what podcast at gmail.com. slapped on the wall at uh, at the empty bottle uh, in the in the toilet? Concepts, graphics. I'm open to either of those. All right. So maybe we, uh, Paul, Jenny, and some sort of lifetime film poster. <laughs> I would love to see that. I'm starting a quest out now for doing that. So, uh, yeah, send us to jpsellout at gmail.com, you or you can uh, do uh, post it to our Facebook page. Right. Or just tweet us up. Well, remember that, though. We could really use that. Uh, and uh, if you pick one, we'll send you a pile of the, pile of the, of the, uh, of the uh, stickers. Oh, no. I see what the prize will be. Kyle is donating. All right. <laughs> yes. Kyle is a donation in the offing. Um, uh, so, Kyle, you started or recently started a new Tumblr. Yes. Um, and and uh, tell us about that. I'm one of the first people to do a Tumblr, so I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> Uh, Tell us about that technology. <laughs> so at some point over the last six months, I discovered that you could buy Yom TV Raps cards from 1991. How did you find that out? Well, I said, I would love to have those. I remember having them. They were a lot of fun. And okay. then I went to the electronic bay and put it in. And there was a shit ton and very cheap. So I started buying them. And I think I told you and you were – or no, your friend Jimmy who was like, you should put these on the internet because these are hilarious. That's how I know Jimmy. Now you know. Um, Jimmy Jones. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah, sorry. Archivist, librarian, raconteur. Yes. Sure. Yes. Um, and so I started a Tumblr rap card a day dot com. So it's a rap card a day from the famous to the obscure. So I just opened a pack. We have Big Daddy Kane, Digital Underground, Vanilla Ice. Digital Underground, which you have posted on the site, is was my favorite because it was very enlightening. I did not, first of all, know that many people were in the Digital Underground. Oh, yeah. There's and like second nine of all, members. I did not know that they had patterned themselves after the Parliament Funkadelic. I did not know that either. <laughs> There's seems, lots of facts. That's and that does favorite. not seem like something. I did not get that from their music. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Not even a little bit, in fact, because no. they don't play any instruments. No. Um, there's no spaceship. Did you see that they're the, the, the head is, is, was just found? So I guess on their tour for, for the Humpty Dance? Okay, I was, was like, a, the head, like... The Humpty Hump Head. Oh, Humpty I'm sorry, yeah, head. like the prosthetic. Yeah, the prosthetic Humpty Hump Head that you could walk in and ha- it has like a green room in it. It's oh. gigantic, but it's apparently been in like a, a where, an abandoned warehouse for like 15 years. You would think that Shakti would be wearing that all the time because that's all anyone no, knows. No, 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 it's like a physical room. Oh, like a... Oh. You walk into it and then you come out of it. Like it like it's it was from the stage show. That is very disturbing. But <laughs> it's totally disturbing. But they tr- they offered it to the Hip Hop Museum, which I guess is in LA, is opening. Oh. And they said no. Really? Which I was shocked by. I have a friend who's a curator for the African American History Museum. Um I maybe I will look into that. Yeah, if they, seriously. I, we'll see if the Smithsonian is really interested in they archiving should. Digital Underground. They Although, should. as Tupac's first band, there might be something there. Sure, you know. I um, mean, they, they were. Uh, I think. I mean, at the time, at the time, I mean, they were a big darn deal. They had a lot of hits. They were yeah. on the soundtrack for Nothing But Trouble, uh, the ill-fated Dan Aykroyd movie where he plays a weird inbred country judge. 
that Demi Moore and someone else get stuck in front of. Oh, um, right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of these, like, it's almost like a caper film. It's almost like a Cannonball Run or, or It's like or a whatever. Dan Aykroyd joint, which yeah. means it's just all kinds of weird. <laughs> and, like, late period Dan Aykroyd. on HBO just, over and over and over again. But it's, the song on that is for the digital. That's like Tupac's big rap is on that song. Oh. On, um, same song. And uh, I think Kiss Me and I Kiss You Back is on that as well. Anyway. I think that um, Burger King should purchase it. Oh, yeah. And put it in, like, their archive. Why not? Because that is, like, the best advertisement for Burger King ever. I love the idea of Burger King archive. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Once got busy in the Burger, Burger King, King bathroom. bathroom. I mean, yeah. that's, I think, what people Or Hennessy could get it. And you could put yeah, sure. uh, DJ Rob, uh, Easy Rock and MC Rob Bass, right? Yeah. He likes the Whopper, not the Big Mac, as we right. all know. I mean, there is a the definite... Hip-hop, the Burger Hip Hop Crossover Museum. <laughs> It's one room. And I do think that in rap, I'm reading the R. Kelly biography, right, or autobiography at the moment, and he is very obsessed with McDonald's. And so I feel like there's this East-West or, you know, East West thing. I think there's actually a Burger King McDonald's uh, rap This fight. is fascinating. I want to know more. <laughs> well, you can't. I will look into it. There's got to be some kind of archive somewhere of lyrics that I can search. Yeah. But I want to say, you're going to get the, the, the all-timers, but then you're going to get people like Ed O.G. and the, and the Bulldogs. Who are from, no idea, but they have their debut album, Life of a Kid in the Ghetto. No metaphors there, just... Do they, have a, do they have a hit that's on that mm. card? I can tell you it was produced by the Hip Hop Ambassadors, who are the awesome two Teddy Ted and Special K. Okay. No idea. Um, no, no, no tracks, nothing. Sorry. That's a bunch of <laughs> That's anticlimactic. Yeah. And I like that it's two people, but then it says for their real name, Edward Anderson. So I don't know if it's one guy <laughs> playing all these characters. I think. Uh, oh, look at the terrible photo. It's Teddy there. Ted. Like they're they're spliced together very ham-fistedly. Yeah, well, I and mean, it wasn't really Photoshop then. So right, that was all needed. done with a razor blade. Right. Yeah. Edward Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. So that must be just Ed 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 D. And, and the Bulldogs aren't. They don't have real names. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were, they were. Well, it was a, it was a family of ghetto youth who uh, were displaced. Adopted. And they were adopted and, and by and, dogs, and, right? And they were like you, the bulldogs. Well, oh. the bulldogs look like they have another member that's like somehow not in this photo because <laughs> right, they're they, waiting for they're to show kind, up. They're kind of like three guys, but they're in this well, weird stagger. He ran afoul of Stalin, <laughs> and uh, good cover. It was, it was was removed from history. I believe the cover <laughs> is Jack White in this in this space. Oh okay. yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> well, there we go. We got to scan this. Well, that'll business eventually be in. on Rap Card. Yeah, well, we, well, we will scan in just the front, and, and Jack White needs to be in there. <laughs> I do love it. Uh, any, what else in there? Do we miss um, anything else? Eric Bean Rakim, Flavor Flav, Dr. Dre, and Ed oh, Lover. Flavor Flav is his own card. Oh, yeah. This is what's fascinating. Is like Sometimes the group does. to get make cards so they just, yeah, right. everybody got yeah. one. Like, there's a Ted Demi card, director <laughs> yes, and yeah. producer of Young TV Raps, the uh, white guy. Deceased. Yes, now deceased. Um, and I believe he is related to Jonathan Demi. I don't know if they're brothers. It's his uh, uncle, Cousin, I think. Uncle, all right. It's like his uncle. But Nikki D, who I have no idea who that is. Yeah, I was going to say, are there any a lot of ladies? Because I haven't really seen a lot they of ladies. They try really hard. Because um, uh-huh. I put up Oaktown 357, okay. or Oaktowns 357, who I'd never heard of. Yeah. So it shows you they're digging deep. Like the, you know, like the Salt and Pepper's in there, <laughs> Queen Latifah's in there. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. I haven't gone through them all yet, so I don't sure. know. I'm sure, like um, Moni Love and yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if I if I made you guess what Nikki D is wearing, what would you say? 
bikini top and, and a hip hop card of a female rapper. Now she's not a hoe oh. or a fly girl. A jumpsuit. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say some overalls. Denim overalls. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, it was ninety-one. I, I know it's not fun for a podcast, but I right. knew it would pay off. But it was yeah. in ninety-one. That that was, uh, that was the, the pretty common kind of thing. That's man. what In Living Color told you to wear. <laughs> and ninety was a good year for rap because there's a lot of overlapping styles. Like you have kind of like the Africa stuff. Oh, you yeah. have like conscious rap. You have gangster. It's all happening. And you at the have same that kind of like the the like the far side. I don't even know what you would call that. The, the yeah, they're they're like in the um, what we call it uh, de la soul sort of camp. Yeah, like, right. Wait, so is that is that sort of group represented? They're all in there. All that's, in what, there? that's why this the, these cards are interesting to me anyway because they're from 1991. That they're depicting all these different kinds of rap at a moment mm-hmm. when it hasn't really worked itself out yet as to what's going to be popular or if it's even going to be a mainstream thing at least. According to white culture, right? Um, so yeah, the cards are good that way. In addition to just being hilarious, do you feel that they are East Coast focused because of the YoMTV Raps location? <sighs> yes, yes. I don't know if it's because of that. I think to a degree, it's because rap was East Coast focused. Like at this point, by you know 1990, 91, West Coast rap had had quite. I mean, we had NWA, but in a lot of like NWA imitators, but it wasn't really popular as. Like on the charts, right? So but the, I'm guessing the ghetto boys. But that's the, I guess it's on West Coast. Yeah. Right. But if you're if you're digging deep for such people, yeah. it would seem like right. there would be some West Coast people. You could. There's some in there. Yeah. I mean, there's Ice Cube, Ice T. I'm sorry, is West Coast. Yeah, Ice T is in there. Uh, they also have the card for the "We're All in the Same Gang," the anti-gang violence. Oh right, yeah. Which is actually I remember that. a good track. Mm-hmm. I will stand by it with Easy E, of course, uh, hitting cleanup, which is hilarious. He's the worst <laughs> rapper, and he doesn't write his own raps. But anyway, and yeah. Just dripping Jerry Curl. Yeah, right. The whole Just business. walking around with AIDS and <laughs> an activator. He had an appeal, man. <laughs> He's yeah. a retroviral uh, activator. <laughs> now, that's an album. You would buy the shit out of that album. Uh, so we will send some rap cards to whoever picks uh, designs the Finally winning uh, If sticker. you're local... Perhaps we can hang out. I don't know. Yeah, what, right. what else do you want? Could be what do you on, want from us? They could be on the damn podcast. Yeah. If I mean, you, we can if work you live bar. in the New Jersey area, you might be able to go on a date with our guests. Yeah, right? for sure. Look, <laughs> can, I'm open. We can hook you up with a single guest. How about yeah. that? Oh. Come on. How, it's I, a good, it's a good thing we're not on the real radio because the FCC is very like specific about contest rules. Right. So I'm really mm. glad we're not on the real radio I, at this point. I feel moment. like that's a really good uh, prize if you're a... Uh, straight lady, because we've had a lot of straight dudes. Um, yeah, it's not as good of a prize if you're a straight dude or to bring a gay some, dude. Uh, straight yeah. ladies on the program. I mean, I'll hang out whoever. Like you know, yeah, I'm totally cool. I have a van, <laughs> some candy. Yeah, don't even worry about it. <laughs> I wish I had a van. All right, so <laughs> I think we should uh, segue right now into uh, favorite thing. Okay, this is our favorite thing. Uh, Jenny, do you have something? Yeah, so I'm really, I've briefly mentioned it. Uh, it's Sola Costa, The Diary of Me, which is the autobiography of R. Kelly. Um, obviously, I think you're probably saying, oh, it's probably super funny, which it is. Um, <laughs> but it's actually really well written. It's super engaging. And, like, obviously, I don't agree with his position on everything in the book. Um, but <laughs> like, like peeing on people? <laughs> Against he their will. He never did that, okay? Against their will. All right. <laughs> he never did that. Oh, okay. All right? And he's innocent. According to, <laughs> According to the Bar government. R. Kelly apologist. He's going to ste- <laughs> steal the Circle Jerks album name, The Golden Shower of Hits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is, uh, that's top ten material. Anyway. Exactly. So there's, as far as I can tell, there's three biographies out about R. Kelly. One is for children, which I have not read yet, but it's amazing, and I have a photo of it. 
and I had to go to the library and I couldn't find it. And so I had to get like a children's library to help me find the the R. What? Kelly biography. How does that interaction go? I'm looking for the children's <laughs> biography of R. Kelly. Well, also because you're in a children's library, so you're like taller than everything. Right. And, and I don't look like I have children. And you're an R. Kelly fan trying to hang out with kids. Like there's already a level at which this is not good. Yeah, if I was a guy, that would have been a much worse interaction. We're going to have biographies of pedo- pedophiles. Is that under P? <laughs> or is well, K it's for extra kid embarrassing because I'm a librarian and I can't find a book, but I don't know anything about children's libraries. And, and you're like, well, okay, but uh, so I also heard there's a there's a really good uh, coloring book about Jerry Lee Lewis, right? Exactly, right. like that, um, kids get to know your pedophiles, you know who to look Michael out for. Michael Jackson, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm doing an informative lecture on on pedophiles. Yeah, on alleged pedophiles. On, music. on musical musical pedophiles. That's, that's a great. I'm going to throw some Elvis in. Yeah, you know, look, because come you're on, you're not wrong, right? right. Lisa Marie was pretty young. Um, so it was an awkward interaction. I kept not telling her the whole. Oh, Priscilla, I'm sorry. I was like Lisa Marie's daughter. We're in a whole. Yeah. That's a whole different section of the library, Paul. You want our incest biographies? Priscilla, she Mamas and the Papas, Michael oh. Jackson, which oh, yeah, that's an interesting, you know. Yeah, right. Mackenzie Phillips, right. John Phillips, right? Right. So the uh, so you get the autobiography. So yeah, so I so yeah, I, I gave her. I was like, kept not giving her the number and like being like, oh yeah, no, I'll just ch- show me where that section is. I'll figure <laughs> it out. She's like, I'm gonna come with you to make sure you find it. Yeah. And I was like, that's really you. okay. <laughs> but she did, and she's like, which one are you looking for? <laughs> that's very weird. That is great. Um, so there's that, and then there's one that's more of a tell-all biography. But then there's now this one by him, and it has a lot of graphics and. Inspirational it sayings. It's he and someone else wrote it. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to see the ghostwriter. He's was. dyslexic and repeatedly talks about how he cannot write or read. So how ghostwritten it is. is right. Was because like some of those guys are good. Like the guy who did the the uh, Molly Crew book. I think is wrote. That's my good. favorite book of all time. Yeah. Right. Like, and I, so I wondered if maybe it was someone. No, it is a guy. He does only R and B. It looks like he does mostly R and B and um, soul. Biographies. He's oh, done like okay. every major soul biography ever. Oh, yeah. The guy who wrote it is really like. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, has chops. So, um, yeah, it's it's really cool. Do you know that guy's name, Paul? Are you looking that up? No, I was oh. uh, adjusting uh, something on the laptop. Yeah. So I'm not multitasking. Yeah, I, wasn't I would. Sure. Su- I would suggest. I would suggest reading it because it is it is enjoyable. Kyle, uh, so we've got the rap cards, but you can have another thing. Uh, I'm going to go with the John Glazer Adult Swim show, Delocated. Which, uh, I agree with you. Okay, good. <laughs> Kyle um, turned me on to that. He gave me a DVD of it for my birthday. Is it's In some ways, it's a great premise. It's a guy who is in the Witness Protection Program who has a reality show. Um, and it kind of the first season is kind of a parody of reality shows as much as anything else. But it goes off the rails because John Glazer is obsessed with uh, sub-sandwiches. And so there's significant plot John Glazer lines. is or his character? No, he is. Oh, personally. Which is why, well, at this point, there's really, yeah, his character yeah. is also John, so it's kind of confusing. Um, I saw him at the Eugene Merman Comedy Festival last time, and he pretended not to show up, and but sent a uh, foot-long Subway party sub for everyone to share in his stead, and then had Eugene Merman read a long letter about how awful we all were. But anyway, he's obsessed with sub-sandwiches, which is a significant plot line of the show, um, and I think it's hilarious. Okay. There's also a great interview with him by Vice recently. Oh, really? Yeah, where he talks about the show and yeah. Yeah, it comes out of a Conan sketch, you know, where he was a a guy who had a voice modulator who oh, would do yeah. impressions. I didn't so know they all sound the same. I did not know that that they was the, the same mask, thing. Yeah. Okay. I remember that program. sketch yeah. on the old show. Okay. Well, my thing uh, is something which is going to be a little difficult for uh, some of you to find. Um, it is something called Tapper, which is a classic arcade game uh, from. 
the mid eighties to late eighties. I believe eighty one or really? two. Okay. It was very early. And I think there are console adaptations. I think it showed up on several home computers, so you might find it. And uh, Maybe Atari. Yeah, I think it might be an Atari. It seems familiar to me. And, and Kyle and I were playing it yesterday at a... Uh, there's an arcade bar here in Chicago called the Emporium Arcade and Bar. Uh, similar in concept to things in Brooklyn and Jersey City called Barcade. Arcade. Yeah, and um, uh, boy, it was a heck of a lot of fun. And it's a very simple premise. You're an old-timey bartender. And you have to go back and forth, up and down uh, these different bars, pouring and serving beers to thirsty patrons. And you have to make sure that they get their beers before they reach the end of the bar. And then if they'll send back empty glasses, and you got to catch them before they fall. Classic bartending stuff. Classic <laughs> bartending. So they leave tips. you got to pick it up. Not as easy as it sounds. Sometimes they turn their back and don't catch the beers. If you lose a beer, you're out of life. And you're missing the best part, which is the yeah. controller. Yeah, the controller. So you have a joystick. It's just for up and down, back and forth. And then you have a tap. And it's actually got the little tap handle on it. And, and it's so tense. pouring the beer. It works. It works. It works perfectly. Um, and, and the one we were playing, I guess, was probably made for, for bars or, or saloons. And it was Budweiser branded. Whereas if you get the ones that were in the general general audience arcades, it was root beer tapper. I see. And after you said that, I had a distinct memory of it being suds at some point, mm. maybe later in the eighties, or maybe that was a knockoff. Yeah, right. Because there and were a lot of the true. knockoff video yeah. games in like the early eighties. Because there was like Kong Gorilla, which was a a which was a Donkey <laughs> it's Kong about dancing gorillas. Which is what it was a it donkey. Be? It was just a Donkey Kong ripoff. <laughs> So no, it was it was actually a big problem that you get these Hong Kong manufacturers mm. would go and like in, in Taiwan would go and basically duplicate the whole game premise, change the name, and uh, ship them in plain cabinets to the U.S. and then they put on the graphics. Oh, that's amazing! And and so there was actually a huge problem about that. But uh, Tapper, it, it, it's strangely addicting, man. We were just pumping tokens in this thing yeah. like crazy, and it, it was a lot of fun. Um, and it makes me really want to go find. A, I haven't had a chance in the in the intervening hours to go find it on on a console adaptation or something. But if you can find it in your local barcade or uh, bowling alley, might be a place you can yeah, find I can one. See that one. It, it, that's a fairly arcade. obscure game. Like I don't even think I've seen it at barcade. Yeah, I, but I remember. Like there it. should be a website that shows you where locally to go play you a would video think. game. That, I mean, that seems like a thing on the internet. Yeah. We, we, we should be able to find that. So I but can't if your give town to has you. a barcade of any kind, it will, you'll be able so to find it. So if you that. live in New York or Chicago. I assume there are other places. maybe, like Portland seems like a place that would yeah. have yeah, it. Yeah, it is. Oh, Portland I've been does. To, yeah. I've been to that right. one. Yeah. LA. Precisely All right, LA. so if you're near Austin, places where hipsters congregate, go to bars and play games. People listen to podcasts live. Exactly. The nerdy end of hipsterism. Yeah, yeah. Because it was not... It was uh, a nerdy crowd. Games. I mean, it was not a. I'm I mean, sure we were there the Friday happy hour. No, there's a, there's no <laughs> arcades anymore. That's the we were. That's not true though. The one in Portland is not a, is not a bar. Well, they serve the beer. only not bar in Portland. <laughs> they serve beer <laughs> after five. The only non-strip club in Portland. <laughs> yeah. Fair point. <laughs> but they do serve beer after five. Oh, okay. See, I don't. But they are regular arcade during the day. That's true. But for the most part, arcades are have been regulated out of existence for kids, so that's why they all are restaurants and bars, sure. so they'll attract the over 21 crowd to make it easy to regulate. The old-timers. Yeah, yeah. And also to keep kids out. They don't want kids at arcades. Yeah, that would it. ruin my game. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I get laid a lot more. What? <laughs> I mean, just look at how, I mean, any appearance of an arcade in a teen movie, it never goes well. 
It right. never ever. My goes all time well. favorite. Oh, here's another recommendation if you're bored. Joysticks. Oh yes, fantastic. The trailer features a hot dog going between a lady's breasts. That's how you know it's fun, <laughs> and it goes boing. So uh, yes. this is Kyle, by the way. I, I don't remember want to be that from 1982. It's great, and like staying up late to try and catch it on HBO. And the parents aren't paying attention. It's still the wizard, is what you're saying? No, no, it's like the opposite of the <laughs> it's wizard. It's like the Porky's plus the wizard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it, one of these like like kids trying to lose their virginity. Yeah, movies. like teen exploitation films of the early '80s yeah. that almost always revolve around the the arcade or the mall. Do you feel that when you? I mean, maybe this is a personal thing, but like, I feel like when I was 17, I didn't know anyone who was like, I have to lose my virginity. You Although, went to Catholic school. Yeah, that was everybody at Catholic school. It went unsaid. You <laughs> signed a sheet of the first no day. One ever, no, like, because Catholic girls start much too late. No. Well, as my friend, I have a friend who went to Catholic school in Omaha, and he would say that the Catholic girls were the best because they would do everything. Well, that's, except that's my experience. Intercourse. Not me personally, <laughs> but doctor. I know a lot of girls who were like, I will blow anyone. But. Right, but. Uh, Jesus does yeah. not want anything in this area. Yeah, exactly. I'm pointing to my vagina. But no, I mean, I, maybe I just was only friends with <laughs> with dorks. But no, I think dorks want it worse. True. <laughs> but no one, I, no one I knew was like, I'm really like, let we have to go to this party because I might have sex for the first time. I don't like I movies would think, tell me. I think we by the time we came of age, people it was understood. Like you didn't even need to say that's what parties are for, or drinking, or going out, or meeting people. Like it was assumed that everyone. Ideally, would like to get laid. Now, maybe people pursued it more. Whether than it actually happened is a whole nother. Right, exactly. But yeah. like, I don't think of my friends as being like that jockey that way. No, but I'm sure they were all thinking it. Like, well, I'm sure, but it's thinking, but whether or actively conniving for it. Yeah, it wasn't thing. like a bunch of high fives where we got out of the car. Like, we're gonna fucking do this, you know? Like, that yeah, never yeah. happened. I mind high fiving for everyone who. <laughs> case you're wondering what it looks like yeah, well you know until we get the uh until we get the leah laporte three camera studio here we should do it though you know we get the try i would love tricaster and uh do the full up live video casting yeah, you, here you can switch on a fly uh, man i got mad skills i know if there's one thing i got i got the mad video switching and mixing skills you could be in the bulldogs is there a card is there a card for smoking suckers with logic because that was my favorite. F- Smoking Suckers with Logic is my favorite rap name ever. I'm relatively sure no, but I'm not 100% but sure. I'm, and, it, there is a chance. And that I'm not sure they're contemporaneous. Yeah, right. I'm not sure they're, dis- they're contemporaneous. Is there like a tribe called Quest Card? Yeah, it was on this week, I believe. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Leaders of New School is on this week. Uh, uh, tribe, I'm not sure, but there definitely that's is a card. so weird to me that that's an... Because, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think it's such a... How it's a perfect moment to document rap. Like, it really is. To be inclusive. And I think they were going out of their way to include women and in sort of, in other sort of well, marginal rapping... Yeah, there's, there's, well... There's some there's, My My all-time favorite card, which was last week, was Tony D from Trenton, who I've never heard of. The photos were clearly taken by his mother, but somehow he's in this collection. It makes no sense. His uncle is like a P, was like working on like a PA or something. Maybe he's something. Tony Demi. I don't know. Yeah. Like it would, it would be the only He couldn't even like take the train in to get a photo taken. No. He's, he's, oh, of course, he's out by the uh, Trenton Makes the World Take sign on the Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's a great one. His uncle was probably like a Viacom exec. Yeah, right. Like, he's like, I'll yeah. slip this in. No one will know. It's the funniest. And he has like this weird profile shot. Like, it's hilarious. That's a good one. All right. So, uh, today's topic, uh, such as it is, uh, what we were discussing over brunch this morning. This is a perfect brunch conversation uh, at the Dixie Kitchen up in, up in beautiful Evanston, Illinois. Uh, Barack Obama says it's good food at a fair price. Just so you know. <laughs> Which is the best quote ever by like a president. It's uh, a- yeah, a president who exists. 
uh, after Hoover. <laughs> like, that sounds like, a, sounds like a, something that someone would say in like well, 1870. I know, right? President McKinley says. Or just anybody, like any person on a commercial. A fair price for a good feel, you know? It's like, well, he said it on Check, Please. He was on Check, Please? Yes, when he was, when he was state senator, oh. Barack Obama. So, Why was he being so banal then? Like, check, that doesn't make any sense. So Check, Please. He's uh, a banal people, guy, apparently. Yeah, maybe. For people who are not from Chicago, it's a public television show where uh, three people, usually um, viewers, yeah. uh, they all submit a restaurant that they think is great, and all three visit that restaurant yes. and eat there, right, and then come and, back and, and review it. And then effectively screw you over, because then you can never go to that restaurant again, because it's way too busy now. Yeah, I mean, but it's a lot terrible. of times it's just these crappy places in the suburbs I would yeah. never go to. The debates are hilarious. I remember the last time I was here, we watched a, an excellent yeah. episode about some awful place. Well, it is always like some some like Italian like red sauce joint, right? That someone mm-hmm. it's probably been going to for 20 years. So for them, it's the best in the world, and they're just appalled right. that nobody else gets that, the like, magic. like a 22-year-old Asian girl is like, I don't like this. And they're like, like uh, I would rather go to like, you know, the, the good real Italian <laughs> restaurant that's not in, in like Lincolnwood, you know, yeah. which is a, which is a near suburb so yeah it's actually from his check please um oh that's fascinating uh, episode because uh, it's got to be on youtube they had right? i'm sure be. yeah it's probably on the wttw website mm. um because uh the dixie kitchen used to have an outpost in hyde park down oh. by the ufc oh, right, okay. and it's up in evanston so they, they catch both the major uh private universities of uh, the chicago land uh major elite private in- people who might say things like that yeah right. exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Precisely. It's like he's reviewing a griddle, though. You know what I mean? It yeah, just could yeah. be anything. It's like Consumer Reports reviewing right, the restaurant. Right, like, just like it's advertised, it don't stick. <laughs> I like that during this entire conversation, we keep making this arm gesture. Well, you know, like, it's, it's, that's like the old-timey bartender right, thing. Right. I feel like I, I feel like he should be saying in that old-timey voice, like, it's good food at a yeah. fair price. And you imagine like, his voice is sped up weirdly. <laughs> right. And, like, yeah. The sync sound didn't quite work. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and like It was like, what, 2001? Yeah, it's yeah, a vaudeville yeah. commercial. It's like the Mr. Show, the, the Monsters of uh of uh oh shit the one where they're doing the old timey voices and my brain will not I love the old timey voice yeah no it sounds like it should be said they're in predicting an the voice. future inventions right electric tie rack electric tie rack Spin so we'll, we'll come back around to what the topic is oh, sorry. yeah sorry the brunch I do that all there day. we uh <laughs> I was not at this brunch which we, we, we made, ended up made yeah right maybe the reason why. why this is the topic hey, you didn't you didn't say no. I wasn't. Imbo- oh no, I'm I'm pro topic. Okay. Oh, I'm just saying yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. Um, uh, we were talking about Rush the band, not uh, the movie, not the movie. Not Jason Lee, Jason Patrick, <laughs> no, Thriller. It's a, it's a great movie. It actually is pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh, Jason Patrick, you know, it's it's pre Speed Two, so his yeah, career that's was the on height track. of his not acting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I love his not knockout. acting. <laughs> Com- well, compared to uh, to Keanu, he's oh, got yeah. a much more nuanced not acting. Thinking man's Keanu. Keanu. Yeah. So. But we yes, and I am a thinking man. If nothing else, look, we can make this Keanu if you want. I I'm not I'm not ready. I'm not ready for Keanu. Oh, you're not ready. I am okay. not ready for Keanu. I need to prep for Keanu. Get to the club in my taxi cab. Everybody's looking at me now. Like who is that chick that's rocking kicks? She gotta be from out of town. So hard with my girls on her. Definitely not a Nashville party Cause all I see is the letters I guess I never got the memo Oh, hi. Uh, welcome to the halfway point of Jenny and Paul Sellout, episode number 11. 
This is one half of your sellout podcast team. I'm Paul Reesmandel. And as you know by now, our guest for this episode is my brother, Dr. Kyle Reesmandel, PhD. He's our first repeat guest. And uh, after his first appearance in episode three, we received some feedback from our listeners saying that they had difficulty telling my voice apart from Kyle's. And much to our chagrin, the similarity of our voices is something my brother and I have been hearing for years. We think our voices, speaking style, and cadence are different, different enough at least. And to settle this, I decided to call our brother Skip, Skip Reesmandel, to get his opinion. Now, Skip's only got a master's degree um, in theater, but but I think I think he can help settle this argument. Hello. Hey, Skip. It's your brother. Oh, oh, hi, Paul. See, you knew it was me. Uh, who else would it be? Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, people seem to think that Kyle and I sound alike. Um, I've never understood that. I know. So, you know I've been doing this podcast. Right. Sorry, I haven't listened. I figured. We can deal with that later. But what I wanted to take up with you now is that question about how Kyle and I don't sound alike. Uh, Well, you don't. What's the question? Well, Kyle was on our third episode of the podcast, and afterwards a lot of listeners told us that they had difficulty telling us apart. Was he on the phone? No, Skype. But you'd think that people would even hear the sound quality difference from Skype, too. Yeah, even I can tell the difference. And you just learned how to use a cell phone. Screw you. All right, calm down, Skip. I mean, I guess I can see some of the similarity. You both like the same messed up stuff, like uh, Weird Al. Jesus Christ, you two drove me nuts listening to that eating song over and over again in fifth grade. That's Eat It. Whatever. Who cares? It's schlock. Okay. You know, those are fighting words. It's always that way with you two. Ganging up on the middle child, Skip. You never had any respect for the things I like. That's not true. Yeah, what about show tunes? Uh, I've come to respect show tunes some. Sure, now that you're like 50 years old. 41. You're just old. But I, I never heard the end of it when Mom and I would listen to Evita or Cats. Talk about driving us nuts. At least the singers on the cast records knew how to sing, in tune, on pitch. Good darn songs. Not like that screechy crap you guys listen to. Gosh, what was that band with that uh, guy who looked like an ugly girl with a bad 80s perm? Oh, that narrows it down. He had a big nose and another guy dressed like, like Doug Henning, that magician on TV. And a singer screeched like he had a beaver up his butt. Oh, Getty Lee. Getty. What the hell kind of name is that? Canadian. Sure. You're talking about Rush. That's actually the topic of the podcast we just recorded. In fact, this little interview we're doing right now will be in the middle of it. Oh, great. Thanks Thanks a lot. I think I've got to go brush the cat. Oh, come on. No, that's fine. I settle your little argument. You don't sound like our brother Kyle. Maybe you'll come on the podcast. Can, can I talk about 80s Broadway show tunes? Mm, I'll think about it. Never mind. I won't listen anyway. I'll talk to you later. Okay. And call Mom and Dad. It's been a while, you know. Right. Got it. Thanks, Skip. Bye. Bye. Uh, well, that was a uh, quick phone interview with uh, my brother, Skip Reesmandel. I'm I'm not sure he's going to be back on the podcast again anytime soon. Uh, but we can see if y'all want to 
hear more about 80s Broadway, uh, we might be able to, to convince them to come back on. Anyway, before we get back into the meat of the discussion, until we get into that fantastic band Rush, of course, I have to remind you that we really would love you to rate the podcast on the iTunes store. So go in there, click some stars, or even better, leave a review. Do the same thing at Stitcher Radio. In fact, Stitcher Radio right now has a uh, contest for uh, for the Stitcher Awards for the top uh, radio shows and podcasts. So go to Stitcher.com, sign yourself up, and nominate us. Hey, all right? Come on. We're delivering this fantastic product. Nominate us for some awards. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, at Sellout Podcast. And as we said earlier in the show, we would love you to design us a sticker. A sticker, and we'll send you a bunch. We can send to our listeners to be put up to help advertise the podcast. We want something creative, something cool. Um, if you got a design, send it to us at uh, jpsellout at gmail.com. Uh, you might also post it to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash sellout podcast i think that's all the social media pimping i need to do right now because we've got some important rush things to talk about so uh rush the band and kyle and actually you were able to formulate why we should talk about it very succinctly and i hadn't given it any consideration i should have written this down but as we were, we were having a conversation i don't even remember what the conversation was but it was not about this but it occurred to me that they seem to be the epitome of the kind of artists and the kind of doing of things that you guys talk about so much that they do their own thing um, and they don't really care about selling out or not selling out. They kind of maintain their audience and they cultivate like uh, their artistic vision pretty purely in a way that I think you guys are always talking about. And they just do it, right? They don't really mm-hmm. – there's no pressure around it and there's no sort of uh, – I, they don't seem to be bound by the expectations of a fairly rabid fan base at this point like you know or – Maybe not rap is the wrong word. A uh, fairly invested fan base. Yeah, and they're into like their fourth decade as a band. Right. And they're rabid. I mean, they're really successful. And they play these enormous soccer stadiums down in South America to like 100,000 people. No problem. And yet <clears throat> they've had, you know, what they started out as, right? Which was, they started out basically as a Led Zeppelin clone. Right. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was just hard rock, working man hard rock. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a song called Working Man. Right. That's how we know. When, uh, when they had a different drummer. Turned into prog rock and turned into, into you know, you know, ultimately culminating with, you know, uh, 2112 being like a one side full suite about uh, about a future dystopia. You're aware every, you know, all two ladies that listen to this podcast have just shut it off, right? No. <laughs> ladies love Rush. <laughs> There's some girl by herself just staring at her Neil Peart poster. Like, finally, let me tell you, ladies love Rush. Um, I've I've met quite a few ladies, I, and I knew I knew ladies in high school who liked Rush, who were way into Rush. <laughs> that's the eighties. I'm just Anything saying, was possible. Yeah, that's I'm not, just saying. That's not irrelevant. So I can tell you, know, lots of things that were popular in the eighties that should not have been popular. But I know a lot of people who love the Bulldogs. Okay, right, exactly. Sure. Or as yeah. we were discussing before, one day at a time, two hundred eight episodes. That's insanity. And so I uh, will continue with the explanation. Of go Rush. ahead. I'm, I'm, right. I'm so on they board. go to a full side, you know, uh, a rock suite about uh, a future dystopia in which pre, which there are these priests who are basically running uh, 
like a parallel of the Soviet Union. Yeah, like a know. centralized galactic government, oh, obviously. Yeah, so, you know, so it was sort of a very... It's metaphoric. Metaphoric, <laughs> no, yeah. They're talking about a literal government they've experienced, of course. <laughs> well, no, it I has mean, a lot of influence like in Toronto. it's like a political commentary. <laughs> oh, I guess I, yeah. I, I'm asking you if it's oh, like... Oh, you're actually a Is this like a Highland-esque... No, he's heavily influenced. Neil Peart at that lyrics. point, yeah, very influenced by Ayn Rand. At that oh, point, okay. he's kind of come away from that in his lighter years. Well, yeah. I guess I'll I'll ask that question again. So it's like it's a it's a it's a commentary like on it, he wants you to like learn something from this. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. All of his dense polysyllabic <laughs> lyrics are about you learning something. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so at that point, their drummer Neil Neil Peart or Neil Pert. We yeah, don't we're know not which sure. is right. No one's sure. I've already always heard Pert. Yeah, I have too. And then I heard a commercial where the, for Rush on Spotify, where the guy said Neil Peart, very like. I would not trust Spotify commercials. For yeah, I, that's probably right. I just assume that they paid. Maybe for it's the a Canadian thing. Maybe like if you're a Canadian, you say that. that oh, maybe. Right. Yeah. Or he's. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. I don't know. But he, uh, the drummer, became the chief lyricist. You know, there's the bass player, Getty Lee. And uh, then there is uh, Alex Lifeson, who is the guitarist. Both Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson have much shortened names because they're, both their parents are East, Eastern uh, European immigrants. Yeah. Uh, so like From the Toronto suburbs. Getty Lee is Gary Leibowitz, I yes, think, right. and I forget what Alex's last name is. His first name is Getty, though, like for real. So his no, his real name is is like Gary, and yeah. but his mom pronounced it <gasps> Getty. Getty, yeah. Getty. So he yeah. went by Getty, and then Alex Lifeson, I think he's Latvian. That's right. Yes. Yes, and I forget what his real last name is. Anyway, um, so they they start. You know, they go way out prog rock, complex. You know, really difficult rhythms and stuff, and then and they, like science fictiony, really, like they yeah. really engage that kind of when nobody was doing it, like or it wasn't particularly popular. I shouldn't say no one was doing it, Correct, but yeah. They just made the complete left turn, and that was what made them popular. And, and like their big, the big sweet twenty one twelve was really them like reaching the end almost the end of the rope with their record company right saying you're not producing hits anymore whatever and they just said well screw it we'll just do what we want to do and if that's the end is the end and it ends up being way more wildly popular than one thought but then they hit the like 1980 on the dot and they decide to basically start churning out pop songs complex pop songs do we know why uh, because they reached the end of the rope with being prog i mean you know i think they felt at least the, the excellent documentary um the lighted stage uh, that came out whatever, yeah. last year, two years yeah, ago. Two years ago. It seems that they felt boxed in, not surprisingly, by sort of prog rock and sort of these long songs, these long complex songs or suites of songs about, you know. That they often had difficulty pulling off Right, live. they couldn't play live because it was so hard to do. And, and then, of course, they're about these like fantastical things like Bytor and the Snow Dog. Like, <laughs> exactly. I have no fucking clue what that's about. And it's the and it's the easy joke to make about Rush. You're like... <laughs> Who's listening? Who likes right. Bytor the Snow Dog? But they basically take this 80s turn where they start writing pop songs. They they put the synths out front, uh, heavily processed guitar. They start using like reggae rhythms, and a lot of fans were like out the door at that moment, mm-hmm. right? When they start writing these catchy songs that are, you know, three minutes long in some cases. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think some fans jumped off the boat, but I think, you know, the Tom Sawyer era, you know, Spirit of the Radio. Well, that's of, really much more hard rock. Is that yeah, earlier? but that's that period. That's the early 80s. Early yeah. 80s, yeah. Uh, it's really the real full synth turn in the late 80s. Yeah, like Grace Under Pressure and then into um, Power Windows. And uh, by the end of the 80s, they, you know, like Amy Mann is guesting. Yeah, on, right. On songs. <laughs> if you could believe that. So, uh, you know, and, and they're sort of 
and and they've never really gone full back onto the prog. They've stayed kind of still writing mostly songs that are traditional three to four minute pop or songs. Even if they're longer, they're not part of a bigger thing in all likelihood, yeah. except for the most recent album, I guess. Right, which is not quite a return to form, but a different sort of album. But yeah, is that and and for the longest time, you know, they were like the uncoolest band you could listen to. Mm-hmm. Right, it was like the band that. If you told it, you, you know, someone you were a big Rush fan, that might that could be the end of that conversation. You feel that's different now? <sighs> yeah, I think in it some actually ways. is now. But the funny thing, I remember an article. Barely. I remember an article in Spin magazine in the '90s, and it was this two-page spread, which was basically it was like indie rockers come clean about Rush. Yeah, oh yeah, and so right. it's like it was it was like uh, Thurston Moore, of course, saying, Jesus. "Actually, I'm a huge Rush fan." Well, like the like this the the pavement shout out, right? right like, yeah, yeah, about Getty Lee and all that. Like, there was clearly an affection for Rush that people didn't acknowledge. But don't you think it's still like a guilty pleasure? I, mean, well, I don't I guess, believe in guilty pleasure. Okay, but here's here's my okay. I guess I will explain that uh, I literally could not name more than one Rush song. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, although this description, and I on the way here, I read the the beginning of the Wikipedia article because it's literally the least I could do, and um, <laughs> so. Fair but point. that description sounds exactly like if you listen to the metal epi- episode. Everything I listened to, yeah, I was right. like, well, I, I am was on board with that. I was <laughs> amazed you, did, you, you were so you so little. Not even, if you didn't like it, that, would have been one thing, but that you had like so little no. like disinterest. You were just like, whatever. No, I, don't know I mean, what I guess I feel like also so. I guess my experience is like what I, I, I would say, like what the greater world who doesn't listen to Rush thinks. And I would say still very uncool. Oh, yeah. Because there's all these that one guy at a show. People who wear Rush t-shirts are not a good advertisement for how no, cool Rush they is. They are a demographic. Like when Paul said, like you say, like generally you say, I'm a Rush fan. You can know a lot of things about a person. Yeah. You live in a basement. Right. Or, or, or no, or basement you mean, not necessarily. Or you are, you know, like a middle-aged dad. Who Ooh, no. used to live in a basement and now doesn't, but still plays a lot of like a lot of like role playing games online. And, and you're, you're and kind you're, of a middle manager. Or you work in some sort of like heavily intellectual. Or thing. again, that's not engineering that's totally, IT. No, that's not. I think what the greater world thinks. Oh, they might not think that, but I think that is generally that is yeah. accurate. You're saying that's accurate. I think the the you're idea is, still has a mullet. No, yeah. I, I'm thinking like uh, never. Um, went out with a girl <laughs> uh, I think the internet has changed that because those guys can now meet women much more easily may, I think you're no, right for a long true. time they would not like maybe true I, I think um, a bur- like burnout from high school right yeah yeah. yeah. this is the fascinating thing about Rush is that they bring together like yeah. heavily like academic intellectual engineering type Asperger's almost with the burnout mm-hmm. and I find that circle so fascinating that those guys can come together on that and almost nothing else because That's the burnout right. has a level of cool that Mm-hmm. You know, right, right. They get chicks. that other guy doesn't. At least you know in the parking lot in high school. Right, right. Yeah, yeah and probably still today in the parking lot in high school. I'm sure Matthew McConaughey listens to Rush. <laughs> right, like well, I don't, Southern guys are a different story, but fair enough. I guess my stereotype in my head would be no one in that parking lot has a car that runs well. Sure. Oh, I, I see. I disagree. <laughs> but I think Rush now, fans love cars. See, I see. Oh, right, because right, there, there's that a very true. I'm popular saying that's song what about the stereotype cars. Stereotype is. I, I feel like like you have a shitty car. Yeah. That breaks down a lot. Yeah. And like, because you don't you have a describing real metal people though. Like, no, really, the stereotype of metal guy. I think of it very distinctly different. Well, I know you think of it, but you, you're making the distinction between what we know about these people and what we th- what we think. No, the Rush. No, no, no. The Rush fan has a Hyundai that doesn't run very well. <laughs> has a Hyundai accent from like 
like 15 oh, years see, ago. Oh, see, I think like I think like a really old Chevy that's like Yeah, that's the that's the burnout side. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's but what like I'm when thinking. You say like, metal fan, what do you think of? You think of a guy with like a, a terrible leather jacket from the 80s with long hair. I don't think it's who socially might live awkward. With his mom. Oh, I do. No, but it's totally different. I think like I think I I mean, I guess my everything and I I would say that again, my because I don't know much about it. My uh, idea of it has been formed by like references and media and stuff. Sure. But I think it's definitely far more like autistic guy who lives in his mom's basement who doesn't. I, you're just you're just coloring. Who stares at his shoes while he's talking right, to you. Right. Who doesn't yeah. have because I don't well, feel like that does actually pan out. Kyle. But, but, <laughs> but, but this is my. I'm not saying if that's we wrong. know if we, I, I will I will not name names. Hold we on, know well, who got me in the rush. Let me say this and then say that. Right. So. I think you're right, but you're coloring in the sliver of the Venn diagram that does not overlap with metal fans. No, but I'm saying I'm I'm not even saying it's accurate. I'm just saying that. But that's, even in people's perception, that's how society. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think I think the difference between metal is like I don't think that people think people who listen to metal are antisocial. That's true. I think that they have right. girls. Well, look at a metal video. It's all girls in a bikini. Like you obviously can talk we are to using women. A broad definition of metal, but. Right, but I mean, and we're people about, don't differentiate. Well, and you're talking about videos, right? Yeah. Like, so you're talking but, about like ten or fifteen years. But there's no but hot metal women is in all about. Videos. I mean, a lot of metal is Just all about Lee. banging chicks, and <laughs> I don't think anyone associates Rush with banging chicks. I would agree with that, but I think that <laughs> almost all those people are the same people. Like, I don't. Well, I find it hard well, to believe the average person they, is making they, a station. There are Venn diagrams that overload, but you're talking about stereotypes. We're but, talking well, about perception guess, rather than. But I don't realities. think people are making a huge distinction between those two groups. Like I think metal. they do. I think they are. I think, I think, I think, I think they, they are. Really? Yes. Well, yeah. I do think it's like a dorkier thing to, it, to be. Well, I know it's a dorkier thing. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I don't think people necessarily think of people who listen to to metal as dorky. Yeah. People who listen yeah, to Rush are dorky. And and the other thing is, I think, the stereotype, and probably part of the reason why I haven't listened to them, is more than I think any other band, Rush is an aggressively marketed band that is not for women. Honestly, every... And maybe that's not from them, but that sure is completely the stereotype. Are not to, So, because you, you said two sentences, it sounded like they were related, but... How are they marketed? I'm not sure not how they marketed. Not for them. I mean, I feel like every reference in our culture okay. is very, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I would say the, the other comparison band being Steely Dan. Right? But what about... But, like, I don't think metal is any more women-friendly in its I perception. I totally... Well, I... I, I like, in its broader perception, right? Like, Otto the Bus Driver is probably a Rush fan and a metal fan. And is not for women. But no, but I agree with but, Jenny that about the perception. Uh, it, yeah. it is definitely not like the perception is. If you went to a rush, if you were a woman at a rush concert, um, you'd have no problem using the bathroom ever. Yeah, I don't. You could stake I think out you'd in ask a the stall. Average woman about if you were like at a Slayer, like say you went to a Slayer show, would you have to wait for the bathroom? I don't think they're gonna be like, yeah, there's tons of pussy there. Like, <laughs> well, I doubt that. Even but, if there is, okay, they would but never come on, say look it. at like heavy metal parking lot, right? It's a lot of guys, but they all have like a babe with them. But you, but again, you're 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 conflating your own argument. Either we're talking about perceptions, or we're talking about who the people actually are. Yeah, we're talking about perceptions. Right. I think so we're so talking like, about perceptions. And that's one perception, but I don't think the broad perception of heavy metal fans is no. A, I, I, I agree. Or female friendly. So I, I I think if I can uh, come in and I think I can I can bridge this divide. Right. I don't think you can, but go ahead. Yes, I do. I think I think I can. <laughs> Maybe you can. I think the I, I think that there's an, I do think there's a perception that metal is also not female friendly, <laughs> but that the metal side it's because of the aggression and the testosterone fueled sure. part of it, right? And and so that if it's exclusionary, it's almost a little on purpose, and so it's not as if you don't yeah, want women I, I involved. Totally yeah. Whereas with Rush, it's not at all on purpose. 
It is. It just turns out women will not like this, <laughs> right? Well, there's no way, they have no accessibility to it, right? I think that that's yeah, that's that's the that's the and there's a sexual aspect to most metal, not all, most metal, but a lot of a metal lot of where it. it's like where it's like oh, you might want to bang this dude or this corpse, yeah, <laughs> lady corpse. It's a lady corpse. I'm not gay. <laughs> No, point. I think no homo, but but like no one is like. But you're really, man, I want to bang someone in Russia. This is like a broad brush, though, like because we're we're really going. For well, it's always a broad brush. No, when you're but about it's not. Rush is one band, yeah. and metal is Kip Winger to Slayer sure. to Elf Metal, right? So that's a big. Range no, you're right. It's tough. So yeah, totally might want to fuck those good-looking hair metal guys. But I didn't, Nobody. I, I doubt anyway. The perception of some of these bands is like. Those guys are sexy. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I just don't think that's true. Maybe like yeah, I agree. gay dudes are into but it. But I'm saying, okay, people uh, at well, the same Halford. level, people at the same level as Rush. So I'm, yeah. I mean, or at a similar, at a comparable. I mean, level. ELP I would also at, at that level. No, I agree. But I'm saying, Metallica like, maybe, right? That's what I'm saying. You know? So like, I think people like accept the sex that, gods, Metallica. Well, much more have, so though. Always much more well, of a female fan base compared to Rush. Yeah, right, right. Right. I mean, again, it's like saying you know, yeah, Digital Underground has more black fans. I can't believe it. It is not. It is not totally outside the norm to think that pe- that women want to throw themselves at people in Metallica. Correct? No, I, I, I don't. I think I've so. never heard Maybe that in my large. life. And I don't think it's not the first association yeah. I have with Metallica, <laughs> no. sure, or no, the no, second, or not. the third. I guess that's my point. Is like, sure, if you dig down deep enough, if we have to make a choice between I want to fuck the guys in Metallica or the guys in Rush, <laughs> it's going to be Metallica almost every time. But that, but that's like like a tenth level decision, right? Sure. Like, okay, not- but again, I think even like so. I, I mean, uh, what's that movie? Uh, I love you, man. Yes, like that movie is specifically. I know you're in- impressed. I pulled that right out of your head. Go the ahead. entire premise is around how these guys get to be bros because yes. their girlfriends or wives will not listen to Rush. Like that's the whole premise of that movie. I just think you're mad because you're defending. I'm a not ter- mad. Well, no, you're you're defending a ter- territory that you're part of, right? Which is a female metal fan who doesn't like Rush. I, I don't think it has anything to do with metal. Well, I actually, bring up metal. Jenny I don't doesn't know. not like Rush. She doesn't. I have no, know opinion. That's fair, I have no opinion about Rush. No, I because I, I 100 agree with you that. There is a perception and a reality around Rush that is it is a bro thing. Like it's for dudes by right. dudes, right? Yep. There, there, it, it, there's something about that. Whatever it is, I just think it's more extreme than any other band. Like I, I agree that I do yeah, listen yeah, to a fair. lot of bands that are definitely well. First of all, I listen to tons of bands that yeah, there is no line for the women's room. But then I think there are a few bands that are very like. Uh, the stereotype is like, oh, my boyfriend listens to this and I hate it. Or like, yeah, for sure. Or you know, oh, no, ladies listen to that. But I think you'd also say that about metal. Like, I, I just feel like there to is a certain a point, distinction yeah, is like there is, but that we're I making mean, doesn't really mean anything. I, I don't know. I because I mean, like, oh, I'm a dream theater fan. I yeah, well, that's right. Same. I mean, it's only worse, right? Only it's like shittier rush. Like you know, yeah. Well, I actually do like dream. Theater. I like dream right? theater. <laughs> See, there you go. So, right? But I, you'll I, love rush. I, I do think that there, the, the perception doesn't necessarily have to map on to 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 a reality. Right. Exactly. Of course not. But, but I agree. I do really think that there. Rush is a very particular has a very particular reputation, I agree. right? And it's not an approachable reputation, is what yeah. I'm saying. And I think that's probably why, even though with all of this description and what you both seem to say, is I would love Rush. Yeah, it would never I, occur I would to think. me even pick up a, a because it, I mean it's and not because I'm like I'm a lady I can't like Rush, right? But it's just it would never be on my radar because it's so that see that's the part that's really fascinating to me as a metal fan, right? And with all like I don't think of them as metal. I don't think of them as metal. Yeah, but but as a, as a band that influenced like all because, the bands you do, like, yeah. I think of them 
like I think of Boston or Kansas. Oh, that's that's interesting because where Rush, classic rock, one hundred percent. Whereas like, Rush lies. I mean, I have to say, Rush lies in in the uh, in that metal DMZ, yeah. uh, right? Because I mean, one of the big things between North course, and South Korea. I just, <laughs> Exactly. think of the image of the metal DMZ. And There's very few like, bands there. Very there small few. Korean men deciding exactly who's in it, who's out. Skid Row, over there. <laughs> exactly. No, it is. It is a total DMZ because um, because one thing is that because Rush always sort of uh, emphasize that, that the musical prowess mm-hmm. and, and say, for instance, the double bass drum, while not pioneered by Neil Peart, nevertheless, so he, metal. he popularized it in rock music right. and, and, and probably the first generation of metal drummers who adopted double bass drum all were emulating Neil Peart. And in fact, his whole approach to the drums, his incredibly busy, uh, often virtuosic, poly- virtuosic, often polyrhythmic mm-hmm. approach is the thing you can hear that all the way up. You know, you hear that and in, melodic, in, like he and, plays a lot of like inch, other instruments. And you right? hear that in early death yeah. metal in particular, where they, they amped it up, but the drums are crazy busy, crazy interesting and often polyrhythmic. And it's all out of rush, rush uh, records. And, you know, a lot of the way they would structure things, and when they did the hard rock end of things, like Twenty One Twelve, which is um, you know it's all riff driven, but it's riff driven according to interesting rhythms. So it's not riff driven in like a bluesy kind of way, like Black Sabbath. Yeah, they've gone away from that, right? That point, right. It was Twenty One Twelve. Well, explicitly references uh, eight, the Eighteen Twelve Overture. Yeah, right. Dump, da 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 da. Structure, da da da. Yeah, like that's metal. That's pre metal, right then and there. In a way that that it's it's much more um, unsyncopated. Because up to that point, metal is still much more bluesy, more syncopated. Right. Whether it's Judas it's Priest, the Black Sabbath model, Black Sabbath. Yeah, you know right, all those bands. Are but really of the of the like two Rush songs I've heard played on the radio, Tom Sawyer and that other one. Yeah, right. Probably Spirit of the Radio. I'm going to go on a limb. I don't. I don't know what it is. Um, I could hum it, maybe. Um, only on classic rock stations. Well, there aren't metal stations. There were. I mean... No, I think you're no, right. But they're, and yet, they're not thought of as heavy metal, but they're I will, highly influential. I will right? actually... Like, that's sure. my point. I will, I will um, really have to differ with you, at least. And cause, because there was the heavy metal uh, Z-Rock, which was a, a, it was a, uh, a network of stations that went out of business somewhere in the late 90s, early 2000s. Rush was a staple. I remember their morning team, the Gator and the Pharmacist. <laughs> was oh my God. Yeah. No, no, and, and Z Rock, and, and so actually Z Rock. So was, okay, my experience is that they are played certainly one hundred percent on classic. And I, I will also go that um, when I was in when I was in college radio and 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 I was part of the metal group. Um, Rush was marketed to the metal D- DJs and music directors. New Rush album, it went to metal. Even if it was like really synthy, right? It was not. It metal went at all. to metal, and so and and because it's in that hard rock DMZ, and and so the, it has always been like the edge of metal, and and now of course it's on classic rock stations, but it used to be. But on so is Black rock Sabbath, stations. right? Like right. now, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, that is the problem. And again, it's at DMZ because there are a lot of people who say that's not metal, and and Rush will never call themselves metal, but they've had such an influence on metal. And so many metal aspects that they kind of get this kind of like Deep Purple and a lot of other bands that never quite right. made the full jump. They get this sort of uh, guest membership in, well, in the club. Because they meet the literal definitions of genre without being right. of a spirit of the music. Because there's a great book um, by this guy, Robert Walzer, 
who's a musicologist, I believe somewhere in Texas, I don't remember what university, called Running with the Devil. Mm. Yeah, I'm and ready. Yeah, I'm and, and so it's from the early 90s, and it's so it has a kind of like, that's a moment where, it's also a moment where like rap studies is happening about why it's good, like why it's artistic and, and uh-huh. useful, right? And he's doing the same thing for metal, and part of the thing he's saying is like, what people know is satanic, they know sort of the, the common stereotypes from the 80s, especially about the danger of it. And he says all the things you're saying, which is, the bands who are actually metal or who what metal is really about is like this core set of values, mostly around like virtuosic playing, um, imaginative worlds, right? A sort of transportation, a science fiction-y kind of thing, right? Um, and a sort of literal heaviness to the music and a thematic heaviness to the music that is may touch on darker things, but is not actually only obsessed with the devil or and a relative and i think there's that big transition which is the 80s which is the uh taking out of the syncopation it's 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 draining the syncopation from what was a much more bluesy sort of thing Mm -hmm. i mean metallica is case in point their influences were these new wave of british heavy metal bands that were still kind of bluesy and they took that and they took out the syncopation. So what would have been becomes same notes. No sample shit. I'm gonna make a song. But it is. I mean that it's same notes, no syncopation. And that sets a paradigm and Rush was already there. Yeah. Because they quit being bluesy before the metal bands quit being bluesy. I also feel like and even especially talking to you guys today, I think it's there's no there's no question as to which side of the fence you're on in this uh Screw Rush. Yay, yay, nay rush. (laughs) But but I I think Paul and I are unique because we embrace almost every period of rush. Like the synth rush, the non synth rush, the Bytor and the Snow Dog rush, the twenty one twelve rush, like So but I mean I think the other thing I my my experience is is that Rush fans are extremely overly defensive when they bring them up in any way. And you're like, okay, I don't care. Like, I'm not attacking you, but it's like, <clears> but they have war number one, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's all that sure. sort of, like, justification. Well, because of the, cause I think they do their own thing, and they have, like, this thing where they always sell three million. No matter what, even when the record industry is right. shit, they'll sell three million albums. And they feel like, or at least there's a perception amongst their fans that they don't get any respect for, like, kind of arbitrary things why like rock and roll hall of fame well why does anyone same, care right, exactly. i mean i mean why did the icp i don't why the well, I, I do care? think that i do you but know. they don't i thought no, like, they do they well, the fans feel compu- or the band like i don't think the band cares the band doesn't I think care the fans it's the care. fans i don't think any saying. juggalo is gonna be like they should really be in a hall of fame but they might uh, say like they're as good as something that is they're not right. as good as yeah no well like why do people like or to be like why do people hate on them when you know they sell millions of records and and right but i think that the issue is that people actually do hate on jugglers possibly because of how they look and what they do but i don't think anyone's like i hate on rush fans i think we just don't think think about them you're completely wrong there i think people do hate on rush a lot yeah they do this is this weird defensiveness no one thinks about rush ever but people do we've experienced it i've experienced it yeah um you know maybe not recently because i don't kind of give a shit and i'm 41 years old but (laughs) i have experienced it um certainly in college radio Wow, did I experience that? Sure, shit. but that's a very specific group of people. I'm sorry, like well, whatever. I mean, well, like, wherever Rush is coming up, like, so we're already narrowing it down by saying that Rush is a topic of conversation yeah, right. ever. Okay, but and you mentioned a juggalo to anyone uh, who knows what a juggalo? Who knows is. what a juggalo is? Or even show them a photo, they're going to be like, that person's a loser. Well, yeah, um, show Rush when they're like, well, yeah. Outfits. So, so, so be come like, back to us, guys. Yeah, come back to us in like 15, 20 years, and right. we'll see what they say about yeah, juggalos. Right. I mean, we. I think if you had done that, the Rush. Uh, that that litmus test for Rush in 1988, 
we'd have a very different response. Right, but we're not in 1988 right But I also had the history was there. Right? I mean, never forget, man. Never again. Uh, I have a new website. It's called Rush Fans. It gets better. Um, (laughs) Testimonials that you get out of the basement. You see a vagina. For money, you maybe you touch it, right? Never yeah. know, no. But I because we're talking about the fans, and I think the fans there's a perception of the Rush fan that they're reacting against, right? Yeah, they, right. That they're losers. They live with their parents, right? They're Aspergery. So it's not right? hate, all but the stuff. And so they they're they personalize that hate, but, the, or dismissal. I think that hate comes from people who like Rush talking incessantly about Rush, like about like yeah, sure. well, but well, I mean I think that's any band. That's you, the band. Any band that's, I mean, that's exactly. the reason why people hate hipsters. About any band, right? Like about all the facts about you're like. Like, I don't care. Like, I, unless yeah. I'm into that band, I don't care. Um, well, I just, but you know, if it wasn't Rush, it would be dinosaurs. <laughs> that they would be talking about. Oh. Like, in rocking I'm back just, and forth in an autistic way? Sorry. <laughs> I'm just engaging Paul's in the same balloon reference. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. Exactly. Oh, he's dropping him out of his. his but, you know, dirigible. the interesting. It, Rush is something that I got into because. Uh, I, I mean, I knew about them always as like a preteen into teenage because they were popular, you know, in the early 80s into the 80s. And I had friends who liked them, and I never really got into them. I was always like, okay, yeah, I mean, I've got like, you know, some songs in a cassette somewhere kind of thing. Um, and it was being. It was like a combination of, of a friend and then being in high school band. Because mm. it was like. That was like the one band all the high school band guys could agree on. So like the drum section was always much more like Heshers and Metalheads, and like you know, and then and then obviously if you were like in the brass section, you it was usually like nerdy but not so metalhead. More you never really knew what they'd be into, but it was probably something pretty lame. You know, oh really? It wouldn't even be like Queensrÿche. Or like Queens, right? Not then. Might have been Queen. Oh, okay. Fair. It might have been I Queen. Guess still early, you're right. Yeah, it might have been Queen, but not Queens, right? But it might also be some pop music, and it might also be some like bad jazz, like bad smooth jazz, or some mm. like bad crossover jazz. Um, you know, something like that, that where you like anytime there was like a brass player showed up, they would be right. <laughs> and, and in the eighties, that could every be, song with a piccolo. And the eighties, that could be like, like that could be Billy Ocean, right? So yeah, right. Sure. you know, so there could be some really bad crap. But it was like Rush. It's like the brass section and the drum section and some flutes, no, no and Chicago? everybody could be into it. Oh yeah, it's probably a good call. I bet that was popular. Um, no, because really? by then, too late. By then, the brass section sounded like synthesizers. Oh, uh, and it's the Peter Cetera like yeah, right. No, no, probably if it had been probably if it was seventies band but i was in 80s high school band and that and and i got into it and 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 they were like no you gotta hear 2112 you gotta hear 2112 and like i'm like all right i think i get this and then i got into queen's rank so you know there's there's a line there but yeah i guess that's always the thing for me is that all those bands cite rush and i always find that fascinating and in part they're like coming out like that's partly with the documentary there's like a good 10 minute section of all these dudes like all these bands who are like rush is the best like sebastian bach which is, I always find hilarious. He was way into it, but like but the Metallica guys, like all these bands, like you wouldn't even you'd be you're at least somewhat surprised because they're yeah. maybe too young for it, or which gives you a sense of how long they've been around. But that they are influential, even if they're not. But they're, even if they're their own genre, right? If they're not metal and they're not hard rock and they're not prog, they're their own thing. And they've been accused of selling out, I think, probably almost more than a band of their longevity, right? And, but accused of selling out, and yet at no point did it kill their career. It changed their career, but at no point did it kind kill of like, them. Well, I mean, Aerosmith, I think, has a similar. You probably, except yeah. Aerosmith didn't really. They the stylistic out in a changes way that is so amazing, yeah. right? <laughs> and they didn't maintain any artistic cred. That's true. No. no, no, for a band that had it, like they, they did have it. They have a Disney ride. I mean, right. that's, they have a Disney World ride. What is yeah. that ride where you get made up like a tranny and no. then? <laughs> 
I apologize. No, I, I believe I you. It's, it's like the rock and roll adventure or something. You go into like a, a fake stretch limo. <laughs> they, they push you into a backstage room where you get a fight with Joe Perry. Like a, like a, like a animatronic Joe Perry yells at you. You're doing too many drugs, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, you do a lot of cocaine. Yeah, and then... Right. Let's fix it with coke. <laughs> <laughs> That's a ride. Let, let the music do the talking. <laughs> All I can tell you is let the music do the talking. Let's go play Toys in the Attic. <laughs> I want to know about this ride. I really yeah, I, yeah, I, I will ride it and I will tell you about okay, it. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, it, I may get a band that lasted as long, but in a lot of ways, it's funny with Rush, it's like it, it hasn't changed their career. I mean, you know, they have a career, they continue to put out records. It's funny because now they're on Roadrunner. Oh, really? Which is now part of Warner Music. Oh, all right. Of well, course, right? Yeah. So they, they went from being like explicitly part of Warner Music to now being part of this other segment of Warner Music. I don't really know why. I think probably what it what they probably did is wrote themselves a contract where they own everything. Yeah. Where basically all Roadrunner does is like distribute this stuff and they own everything else. So do you feel like uh, kind of like Beatles fans maybe like people define themselves by what period of Rush they listen to? Probably. I think that does happen a lot. I have a yeah. friend who is a musician and uh, the aforementioned curator at the uh, African American History Museum, and he is a very anti synth Rush. He he can't anything after like 1982. It's just not Rush to him. Okay, like, he is only up to like the hits, like the radio. So hits. would that kind of person go to uh, a show now? It's it's. It depends because Rush now. Paul and I were having a discussion earlier that their touring is really interesting. Like they are at the point now where they can go and say, "We're going to play all of this album, and then we're going to play a second set of hits, or we're going to play these two albums in a row." Like they don't do like a traditional kind of tour anymore, right? In the way that they used, like they probably did in the eighties or nineties. Um, but in a traditional tour setting, probably in part because of uh, what people enjoy about, it, I think musicians particularly is. The virtuosic playing by all three members, so they're like, "Well, I just want to see them play these songs live. I think it's great, even if they're not the songs they like." So they're a jam band, is what you're saying? In well, but except sense. they don't jam. Like they play the songs through. They right. don't. They don't really it's take not, detours. It's not improvisational. There's no improvisation. There's not like solos. No. Oh, there's solos and there's long like, periods of music, but there's not improvisation. No, not. and in fact, the, there's the only solos are are, are drum solos. Well, there is no bass solo. There is no guitar solo. There's a couple small ones, but there's not like. But they're in songs, in. and they're not like they're not like so. Everyone leaves the stage, and then Getty. Oh yeah, jams I'm out sorry. On the bass. Is that what you meant? I, I misunderstood. That's what I mean. Yeah, like, that's the, what I mean. The like, there's a drummer, and then like for ten yeah. minutes he just no, no. Yes, there is that. The there's only that. one is. Well, is, oh, I guess that's the other stereotype I have. Well, cause the other irony of this is I I play the drums, or I did play the drums in high school. And not that is <laughs> fucking amazing to me. <laughs> I know, and so that was the other drumming magazines. That's the other. Oh yeah, association drummer of I the have. year from 1975 <laughs> to 2006. Yeah. Neil Peart. <laughs> no, Lars Ulrich got in there one. Oh year. yeah, Lars Ulrich gets in there. Yeah, and the guy from the guy from uh, the Dave Matthews Band one year. Oh yeah. yeah, well that's a big debate on college campuses in the 90s. Right, <laughs> that guy versus no, Neil Peart. I can't that, remember his name. Really, I had no idea. Oh, totally. I had an extended debate with totally. uh, a that, guy. Oh, well, that was like the reasoning. Like people would be like, oh, "I hate the Dave Matthews Band." And the response, the proper response to that I, in our college years was, yeah, but their drummer is actually very Yeah, good. that was the way you could show really? You had heard one song but hated them, but you were at least trying to pretend to understand their I, I didn't really know about this Dave, drummer. If you were not a hippie and you went to Dave Matthews Band shows and it wasn't just for drugs, you could be like, oh, I went to the Dave Matthews Band show, but it's not because I like the Dave Matthews Band. See, the Dave Matthews Band is my rush. You know what I mean? Like right, the, the band that I just don't like, yeah, I will not too. listen to. Their fans are awful. I, everything about them stinks. See, I don't feel that way about Rush. But I think a lot of people feel oh, that way oh, about I Rush. See. That's my yeah. point. Like that that 
completely unwarranted stereotype around well, a band that's been wildly successful. What we can say about the Dave Matthews band that, that we can't accuse of Rush is Dave is Rush's tour bus never dumped a load of shit onto, onto a architecture tour boat in the Chicago River. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing that that they did not, they do. Did not do. I think that is I, we can hold that against the Dave Matthews band until the end of time. So do they have like a rock starry type? Like, did they do a lot of drugs? No, or, no, no. They, um, they did have videos of it. They're Canadian. Drugs? They're just total straight yeah, guys no. from Canadian. So like Canadian, the anecdote, Canada. the anecdote in the uh, in the documentary is they're talking about how they were on tour with Kiss. Oh, and why? So, and and, and like Kiss weird... loves Rush. This is this is the part. No, that no, no, no. Understand. I'm not saying that why like, they're rock. not good enough. That just doesn't seem like it was I don't 70s hard rock. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 hard yeah, rock yeah, is hard yeah. rock. Yeah. And they're on tour with Rush, and like the Kiss guys are kind of like, um, so they just go back to their rooms. <laughs> <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I think Gene Simmons is in there, right? Yeah. So you're like, yeah, these nice guys are really good. We really love their music, and and you know we go back. We've got groupies and whatever, and they just go back to their rooms and practice. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think the Canadian aspect does have some element because I yeah. do think that's part of the dorky, like, oh, Canadians. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, they're tucking in their denim shirts, their denim pants. Like, you know, you're yeah. just like, oh. Well, not just that. I mean, I think the, like, uh, the second fiddle nature mm-hmm. of Canadian. I mean, I think that's yeah. how, like, the like, oh yeah, okay, I guess people do that. Well, whatever. imagine being Triumph then. You're the second fiddle to the second fiddle. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Like, it's like, what do you do? So who's the second fiddle to Loverboy? Ooh. That's what I want to know. You know, Canada is a topic that that has not been mine. We really need to do a Canada show. For sure. And and, and there's many aspects. We do Canadian rock. And and I know you have some speciality in Canadian and rock music. Sure, I like one Canadian. Well, that rock book band. came out that Can Rock Renaissance book. It's oh, I don't know. I, this. It's on my Amazon list, so I've been meaning. And then of course there's Canadian movies, right? Obviously. And Canadian influences. You know, uh, I think there's a lot to mine there, but that'll have to be another show. I think We're, that's really comedy, is what you're saying, as much as anything else. Yeah, a lot of it, but but not exclusively. But I know yes, it's not a lot of it, but I think you're referencing like comedy. <laughs> yes, well, I mean you know, Porky's was a Canadian production, right? They like schlocky money making material as much as anybody else. <laughs> no, of course, like they're, they're still you know human beings. Yes, they are still human beings. Okay, well, I think does I think, Rush have a different? Uh, is the audience different in Canada? Like, are they more less? I know. Maligned? I think whiter. Yeah, I, no, I, I know don't, what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> no, I don't know. is it less? Is is this only an American? I don't phenomenon? know actually. I think Rush is actually for the most part now seen as national heroes. I think there was a time where they weren't. They were thought of the same exact way. Yeah, uh, we're going to see Sloan tonight. And a Canadian power pop band who's fantastic. And they often, their DJs are very into like the Canadian music culture. And they always talk about, they always fly the flag for Rush. And they're always like, we all, like all the, because they were like kind of ex-punks, like a lot of power punk, uh, power pop bands. And they always say like, people actually really, they're beloved in a way now. Maybe because it's just, they've been around so long. They've kind of transcended the same sort of stereotype, I think. But like, if you go to a Rush show in Toronto, is it going to be like 50-50 ladies and men? No. I no. doubt it, but I bet it's more than you would right, think. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, these days I think it's even more than it used to be. Yeah. A lot of wives and girlfriends have been have come around and get get dragged, and then daughters I think get dragged now. You know, it's kind yeah. Of I mean, I think thing. the same things have happened broadly in male oriented music. Yeah. are happening to Rush. Like I, you know what I mean? Like it just there's more women in those scenes than there ever was before. Well, I just mean like, is it a like Aero, Like I feel like Aerosmith is a band. Like, where it's like, oh, yeah, people generically like them. Doesn't really matter if you like hard rock or not. I think it's just a, you know, or... I don't know. Or is it yeah. still, like, a niche? So, I don't think they're anything like Aerosmith. I don't know if we have any way. Canadian listeners. 
Yeah, Canadians. Canadians uh, who know anything about Rush, Explain uh, please what Rush is like drop in us a line. Town. In fact, we want to know um, what is what was your stereotype of if you're not, especially if you're not a Rush listener or you're yeah. a Rush hater. What's your stereotype of the uh, of the Rush fan or the band? What do you think of them? Uh, drop us an email to Be JP out Sellout about your exactly, or tell us what how you've been discriminated against as a, we'll as keep a it Rush anonymous fan. <laughs> if you need to. That's right. First names only. Uh, you know, so like uh, Ted from Toronto, right? I want the voice modulator for Ted. Though. You know, uh, you know, uh, Julius from Regina. We'll, we'll yeah. keep you. We'll keep you. Completely Show me the doll the where Katie Lee touched you. <laughs> so JP sellout at gmail dot com or uh, drop us a note on our Facebook page. Um, and of course, we're still asking you to please review us at iTunes uh, or click just on just click on a star. Just pick one. Doesn't matter. Click on a star. Take We'd a like stand. five. We'll, we'll take good. four, good. but if it's just, just do it, click it, because we it helps us uh, get more listeners, and we get more listeners, we feel better about ourselves. Um, but I think I think we've pretty much uh, put Rush, <laughs> for the moment at least. We've put the age of the to bed, guys. Well done. <laughs> lively uh, conversation. I'm going to listen to Rush. We're going to put it on the second this goes off. Oh, so we are. Ready. I'm going to listen to some Rush, and then I can. Do, I, I, will, I will report back as to whether start I've with, become a... I very rarely say this, but start with Chronicles, the greatest hits double CD collection. I think that is the best representation of okay. classic Rush. And on Spotify. Okay. That's what I'll be listening I'm to. I'm sure it is. So uh, listen to the Rush. Well, and I want to say uh, thank you, Kyle, for joining us here. Thank Thanks, you, Paul. Kyle. Thank you, Jenny. And thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Paul. Adios.